0: Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is a star of the NFL's 2010's All-Decade Team, Kansas City All-Pro Offensive Tackle Mitchell Schwartz. All right,
1: today's guest is the epitome of durability and consistency. He never missed a snap, believe this or not, for 7,894 consecutive plays over 121 games. He was a first-team All-Pro back in 2018 and helped his Kansas City Chiefs win Super Bowl 54. It's my pleasure to welcome Mitchell Schwartz. Mitchell, welcome to game time. I love offensive linemen, love talking to you guys, and I love the fact that you protect the quarterback, the most important guy
2: on the field. Well, that's a heck of an introduction. I appreciate being here and uh, looking forward to this.
1: You know, uh, I know that you got hurt towards the the end of your last season there in Kansas City. You had back surgery right after the Super Bowl. How are you feeling? What is your status?
2: It's coming along. It's taking a little bit longer than uh, I would have liked which is a little bit tricky when you get into kind of the nerve stuff, you know, muscular, uh, feels pretty good, able to, you know, move around a bit and, you know, working out and getting back to the active stuff, but still feeling a a little bit of the nerve pain down the legs every now and again. So we're waiting for that to clear up. And then, you know, after that, hopefully, uh, things can really take off.
1: Well, take off. Does that mean that you, want to continue
2: to play I haven't I haven't made that like final decision yet you know I feel like if I have nerve pain down my leg it kind of makes a decision for me so I'm waiting to kind of get you know fully healthy feeling like a football player again and then from there I can you know fully make that but I feel like you know a lot of times the NFL retires the player so uh, I'm hoping in a you know to be healthy enough to be able to make a a full decision for myself
1: yeah yeah the amazing thing is you're only 32 years old and thirty two years yeah. old in today's world, especially in the NFL, I mean there are there are tackles out there that are worth their weight in gold. I mean look at look at Whitworth with the Rams for, you know, he's like close to forty now.
2: Yeah, I think he's 39, which is absolutely crazy to think about him doing it for like 16 or 17 years. And then he's like getting better too somehow. I don't know how that's uh, possible, but, you know, he's an animal. And yeah, like you're saying, I mean, typically you get your second contract and then, you know, you slowly start to decline a little bit as you get into, you know, early thirties and, you know, teams are always trying to find someone a little bit younger and cheaper, but, uh, offense alignment, especially tackles, you know, they're getting these third and fourth deals because as you're saying, it's tough to find guys to do that spot right now. Uh, you know, we've seen the emphasis on the passing game and, you know, the defense countering with these saw some pass rushers and so uh as he started the the show with heading uh helping out the quarterback and blocking form uh is absolutely a premium
1: you know that's so why i wanted to ask you when you started in 2012 as a, as a rookie has the game changed that much already here in 2021 from when you started
2: I think so. You know, I remember we had Brad Childress and he was running, you know, West Coast system and, you know, 200 jet Dragon Lion from under center and doing all these, you know, pass to run and run to pass. And it was very much, you know a simplified version. You know, I don't know if that had to do with our personnel and our, and our quarterbacks and stuff uh, as much as it did with, you know, that just the way football was at the time, but it definitely seems like it's trended in a different direction. uh, Schematically, you know, offensively as well, Uh, a bit more of the drop back pass. And, you know, before teams would throw 30 plus times when you know that more than anyone, but it wouldn't be, you know, 26 dropbacks and three nakeds and you know two screens it would be you know a bunch of play actions and shorter stuff and mixing in uh, a little bit of everything so it has changed it has made it you know a bit more difficult on the o-line but i think it's led to more scoring and led to more fun
1: Yeah, I know all that terminology users drop because I spend 13 out of my 14 years in the West Coast offense, and I just love talking to guys who know exactly what that's all about because it's not an easy offense to get used to, and especially you need smart offensive linemen, and we're getting warmed up with one of those. He's Mitchell Schwartz, so stay with us as game time continues right after this. Welcome back to game time. Now, Mitchell Schwartz was raised in West Los Angeles, the home of movie dreams, spec scripts, and instant stardom. Not many people grow up in the shadow of Hollywood and play offensive tackle in the NFL. And, and, you know, Mitchell, it had to be interesting for you because you didn't start playing football until you were a freshman in high school. Is that true?
2: That is correct. And they actually got me out there uh, under the guise of me being a quarterback. You know, I'm obviously a big kid. So I got to high school and I was, you know, like 6'4, 250 already. Grew up playing mostly baseball, obviously the big kid that threw hard. And, you know, I could throw football pretty far, uh, not with much accuracy. But uh, my brother was a senior. He was getting, you know, recruited to colleges. And my parents kind of understood what the deal was for me. So between them and the, the coaches, they, you know, kind of had an inside deal. And they told me I could be a quarterback when I went out there. So they kind of forced me into it. And then after a week or two, like, hey, you know, uh, we need a little bit more mobile of a quarterback for this offense. So we're going to put you at O line. We think you'll do great. And uh, I didn't know the fix was in until I you know, looked back on it years later, but I'm glad they did it.
1: Of course, you go to Cal Berkeley and you actually scored a 35 on the Wunderlich test at the Combine. I mean, obviously, that's not something that's normal uh, for football players. Uh, and I think I would imagine the way that you played and the things that you just told me in the previous segment is that it shows how bright you have to be to be able to play offensive line in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I think for me specifically, you know, I didn't have the combine numbers in terms of athletics. You know, I ran a 5'4'5 and my shuttle wasn't that impressive. And I think I had the second worst broad jump of the entire combine. And, you know, I wasn't the guy that could just go out there, you know, not focus on technique and just, you know, quote unquote, be an athlete. I really had to use my brain. I had to know be clued into what the defense is doing or hey the safety's, you know over the top of the nickel and he's going to blitz you know that means my DN's is going to go inside and you play with that anticipation you know you don't have to be quite as reactive quite as quick and so using that to my advantage and you know understanding leverage and angles and things of that nature uh, i was lucky enough to have a great offensive line coach when i got to cal you know one of the reasons i uh, picked cal his name is Jim, Jim Mahalcheck, and he taught me a lot about angles and fundamentals, and those were the principles I used the rest of my career. So I definitely got lucky, you know, having a great coach. You know, we all have stories of either the mm-hmm. awesome coach that helped us or the bad coach that held us back. Uh, you know, I have the story of the great coach that, you know, really laid the foundation for me.
1: You know, it's amazing you played 51 games at Cal. That's one short of the record. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine most kids even playing three years, let alone 51 games. What, what made you... I don't know, never miss a game.
2: I mean, part of that's luck, right? Like, you don't get the pile falling on you at the wrong angle and you just happen to, you know, kind of get lucky in certain situations. You know, I more in in my professional years but i like to keep myself in you know good enough shape throughout the the course of the year you know i didn't let my body kind of go to waste in the off season and then feel like i needed to really get it back um so there's an element of you know kind of always eating in a general range and i wasn't a a big weight fluctuator so i wouldn't you know go to vegas for a weekend and gain 20 pounds at the buffets you know that that wasn't the way my body worked so i kind of stayed in this like general athletic range and you know worked hard at you know getting strong i got to cal originally and because i was a pitcher in high school and you know my dad didn't want me to lift weights and you know potentially ruin my my shoulder or my arm i hadn't really lifted weights ever so i got to cal and i did you know the 225 pound bench press i did one single rep that was the most i could do when i first got there (laughs) so for me that first year was all like strength foundational work and you know obviously it, it worked to a decent degree to be able to play those next four years
1: well 51 games in college is certainly amazing we'll return more with mitchell schwartz right after these messages
0: Brought to you by the Ford Bronco Sport, built Ford Tough. It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's Crown Jewel, the Kimberly Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe.
1: Welcome back to our Game Time visit with former All-Pro offensive tackle Mitchell Schwartz. From Fordham's seven blocks of granite to Washington's hogs, football fans appreciate the value of great offensive line play. Jerry Kramer's 1967 book Instant Replay chronicled a season in the life of an offensive lineman under Packers coach Vince Lombardi, and it became a national bestseller. So that leads me to the question. Do you think you could have played for a guy like Vince Lombardi uh, there, Mitchell?
2: Man, I mean, talk about demanding and, you know, perfectionist and exact. You know, I think I would have appreciated a lot of those principles you know, when I was with Cleveland, I had, you know, Joe Thomas as a left tackle, Alex Mack at center, you know, good friend, John Greco, right guard. And, you know, they used to kind of joke that I'd kind of be perfect for the Patriots because of, you know, the way my mind worked. And I was always, you know, focused on uh, situations in the game and when to call timeouts. And should we run the ball? Should we pass? You know, all these things. And Joe was always like, man, you'd love playing for Belichick because like, that's all he's about is those critical (laughs) situations. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, a coach that uh, is that Pushing uh, would necessarily be the best fit for me on a day-to-day basis, but I definitely would appreciate, you know, the best version of, you know, what coaching can uh, bring for you. And I got to experience that in Kansas City with Coach Reed.
1: Yeah, well, you did. And and boy, I tell you what, you talk about a dichotomy of a career. In your four years in Cleveland, you were 19 and 45. You had three head coaches. You had four quarterbacks. And you just talked about two of your offensive line, maybe one of the best offensive lines in all of football, and you guys could never get out of your own way. What do you think the problem there was in Cleveland?
2: Well, as you said, it couldn't have been the offensive line. You know, we had some good guys. (laughs) Uh, No, it was – that was something when I got to free agency. You know, I had some people saying, "Hey, you should you know try to go somewhere else." And uh, you know, things in Cleveland are you know not necessarily the way that they should be. And I didn't know any better. You know, those three guys I mentioned, they were in my wedding. Like we're great friends, and I love going to you know work every day. Obviously, the the wins and losses, as he said as well, mm-hmm. didn't quite work itself out. But once I got to Kansas City, I realized you know it was in Cleveland an organizational thing where you know theoretically the owner should hire either the GM or the head coach and like they hire the next guy and they hire the next guy. Everyone trusts each other. It's the same goal. Um, And I realized like Cleveland, that wasn't the case when I was there. You know, it seems like that is the case now, but you had guys trying to jump each other in the pecking order and, you know, the business side trying to get into the football side and that's just not a way uh, to run an organization. And so getting out of there, going to, you know, the stability of Kansas City, that was a a big reason I wanted to go there as well, knowing, you know, Coachery's history
1: yeah it's amazing you go from nine and forty five the four years that you're in Cleveland to forty six and eighteen four years in Kansas City, and you have Alex Smith when you first get there as your quarterback and watching what Alex went through in washington i'm sure that probably touched you uh pretty close to your heart
2: yeah, I mean it was tough to see the injury and then you know, you slowly get those little tweets that come out and the updates and, you know, oh, it's not looking so good. And, you know, obviously being in the chief's building, you know, our medical staff had a little bit uh, more knowledge than, you know, maybe other people did. And you realize like, man, this is a really dire situation. Like it's tough. And, you know, he's potentially fighting for his life right now. And once you realize the gravity of it, it just really hard to comprehend because you know guys get hurt all the time but you don't necessarily see a life-threatening injury or a complication that takes it to that level so we all you know felt for him in the moment and the fact that he was able to get healthy enough to come back and play football is really the most remarkable thing i've seen because you know everyone was saying hey you've got all this guaranteed money you've played a bunch of years like you've got a great life you know take it go run retire have fun with your wife and kids but that kind of shows his mental fortitude to be able to, you know, push through and come back and, you know, prove to himself more than anyone that he was able to do it.
1: You know, the other thing too is in 2017, they bring in Patrick Mahomes, they trade up to get him in the draft. And, you know, Alex had to play that whole year, except for the last game, of course, when you guys had clinched home field advantage and they let uh, Patrick play in, in game 16 against Denver that year. Uh, you saw these two guys up close and personal. Did you know that Patrick was going to become the player that he's become?
2: You could see the physical tools. You definitely understood his sense of spacing on the field and, and what he could do. But to say, you know, the first season you would have predicted 50 touchdowns and 5000 yards and, you know, league MVP you know, right out of the gate. I don't know anyone this side of maybe Mahomes and, and Veach and coach Reed that I uh, really would have expected that I was glad to see a guy like Andy Reed get
1: him because I'm sure you felt the same way when you signed with them that you have Andy Reed here he is a former offensive tackle himself as your head coach what was it like playing for coach Reed and and I would I would imagine for a, a former offensive lineman to be your head coach that'd be pretty special
2: yeah absolutely and it's cool like you could be in practice and, you know, you either have a good block or bad block. And, you know, as you're running off the field, switching periods, you know, he can grab you and be like, hey, you know, keep your shoulders down on that one. I saw that, you know, I think this is leading to a lack of success or on this play, you know, you need to really go with your feet and your hands, keep that up. And so a coach that, you know, not only has that ability to analyze it while well, he's obviously watching the quarterback and the skill guys, but then give you that feedback, and you know he's been through it and he's coached it before. Um, it's just it's really cool from the offensive line perspective, and you know, obviously with a, a big guy, there's a lot of good food in the building as well, so that's <laughs> a plus.
1: <laughs> well, he's a great coach for sure, and certainly a great example for Kansas City Chief fans to follow. We'll be back in a moment for more with Mitchell Schwartz after this. Welcome back everyone when he played in Kansas City the Athletic wrote that it is almost impossible to overstate the impact Mitchell Schwartz has had on the Chiefs offense. Head coach Andy Reid counts on Schwartz to play alone in pass protection almost 100% of the time regardless of who he's matched up against. And that pattern did not change in Super Bowl 54 against the San Francisco 49ers who boasted a deep and talented core of pass rushers. And I always say this about offensive lineman Mitchell man. You know who the best pass rushers are in football. You know where the best defensive line you know resides. And I'm thinking that you're watching maybe the Packers and the 49ers. You're, pr- you're hoping that if you're going to play one of those two teams in the Super Bowl, that it's not going to be the 49ers. And lo and behold, it is. And they got they were a handful for about three quarters, weren't they?
2: Oh, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, as players, you kind of selfishly want to play the team that you're going to have the easier draw against. And so you can say like, oh, you know, the 49ers were a more complete team. And better D line. And, you know, we probably don't want to play them and want to play these guys. But for me, it's like, do I have to go up against Nick Bosa and D Ford and, you know, Ark Armstead for every single play of that game? And uh, yeah, those two weeks were very stressful. Uh, As you said, it took, you know, three quarters to kind of figure them out and, you know, start pushing the ball down the field. And luckily enough, we were able to, you know, pull that off.
1: I'm just trying to figure out in your offensive huddle, how is Patrick and Alex and Andy Reid able to keep everybody happy there with uh, distributing the football?
2: Well, when you throw it, you know, 45 times a game, you're able to get those guys (laughs) a lot of chances. So I think that's definitely part of it. And, you know, they all have their role and they understand it. And I think that's one of, you know, coach, especially in, in the front office and when I got to Kansas City, you know they find the right people and they find the right guys for the locker room and so there aren't the the guys who think that they should be the number one receiver and they're the number four receiver and they're causing issues and they don't want to you know run the outside route to pull the safety coverage you know that you have guys that understand their role are or, or looking to you know get the ball and then especially with pat i mean you can have a guy be the fourth read and he's never gotten thrown the ball in coach Reed's history and pat's going to find him somehow he's going to see him out of the back of his head and he knows the coverages, you know, cheating to one side and he finds that and so that's a little bit extra incentive for those guys to, you know, keep running the routes full speed is you know, having a quarterback that can stretch the field both ways.
1: You guys scored 21 points in five minutes, and I'm doing the game on Westwood One Radio. It was miraculous how that game changed on one real, really one play, and that play was Patrick Mahomes to Tyree Kill on a third and long for a first down, and then all of a sudden it seemed like something clicked offensively for you guys where, bang, they can't stop us now.
2: Yeah, and once you start feeling that way, you have that confidence, you know, as you said, just that one play can kind of give the energy and give the spark and you know a situation where you know pad drops to 14 yards deep and kind of flat foots one like 65 yards across uh, the field to the opposite hash and, and Tyree catches it and at that point we were in two minute mode so we just run back up on the ball and we're still pushing and we're going you know if that had been a situation that maybe you go back to the huddle you get settled into to your regular offense you know maybe you aren't able to kind of keep pushing the way we were but that definitely you know energized us and uh, led to some amazing things and you know we were able to basically seal the game on, you know, a four-minute situation where you're running the ball as an offensive lineman and you run it in for a touchdown to seal the Super Bowl, that's uh, about the best way you could draw it up for an O-lineman. Yeah,
1: that is an awesome way to end a game. There is no question about that. And for a guy that started in Cleveland to now see the Lombardi Trophy being handed to his head coach,
2: what did that moment feel like for you? It was amazing. You know, obviously your goal is always to win the Super Bowl. I didn't realize how much it would mean to me until it happened. And, you know, I realized kind of what it meant in, you know, the annals of history and being part of that team and being part of Coach Reed's first Super Bowl was especially, uh, you know, touching because, The whole two weeks, you know, we talked about him and, you know, how much it would mean for his legacy. And we understood that, you know, and you wanted to get him uh, that moment. And so after the game, you know, everyone is trying to find Coach Reed. They're trying to wish him congratulations. And, you know, seeing players care that much about your coach and wanting to win not just for yourself but also for him uh, really shows kind of how special that, that moment in that team was. Well said,
1: Mitchell. We'll be back to go hurry up with Mitchell Schwartz right after this.
0: Drive to Manhattan for an unforgettable staycation at Midtown Manhattan's luxurious Kimberly Hotel. Treat yourself to New York City without the crowds. Protected by our highest safety and hygiene protocols to keep your family safe.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, that's great, but who are the chefs?
1: Famous 1996 candy bar commercial showed a tired grounds crew painting the end zone with the word Chiefs misspelled as chefs. In a classic case of Lysa imitates art, our guest, former Chief Mitchell Schwartz, is also a talented and passionate chef, believe it or not. In fact, he and his older brother, Jeff, co authored the book, Eat My Schwartz, our story of NFL football, food, family, and faith. And you are a passionate cook. I've watched you on YouTube, Mitch in the Kitch. Where did this all come from?
2: I think being a growing boy and requiring some more sustenance and, you know, you get home and, you know, playing baseball or playing sports or whatever. And, you know, it's three thirty, four 4 o'clock and, you know, mom's not getting home and making dinner till 6 or 7 p.m. and, you know, needing to figure out a, a way to get some good food on the table. So I transitioned out of cartoons and, you know, into Food Network at a relatively early age. And, you know, as I've cooked, it just become, you know, more passionate about it and enjoyed it more and more tell me about the uh, experience that you curated for fanatics yeah so last year during covid you know fanatics had the all-in challenge where they were auctioning off cool experiences towards you know covid uh first responders and and people in need and so i was able to you know partner with uh some of my watch friends from watchbox in philly and we auctioned off a Fun weekend where a guest could come out, uh, win a cool watch, but also get a home cooked meal by me, and you know come watch the game. Come to find out, we weren't able to fulfill it last year. We fulfilled it this past weekend, and it actually worked out because I got to sit with you know his name's his name is James Farrell, great guy, great family. But I was able to sit with him throughout the game, and you know. Enjoy it with him. Uh, his grandfather was a coach and scout with the Chiefs, and so he was a coach on the 69 Super Bowl winning team. So James had uh, the ring, and we were able to compare rings, which is really cool. And so, you know, kudos to him for the donation, and we were able to uh, have a great weekend. And of course, I uh, mentioned the catch was featured, so I made a nice uh, steak dinner with a, a pretty good spread.
1: Oh, that's great, Mitchell. I appreciate you so much for joining us today. And for all of you out there watching, I'm Boomer Science, and I'll see you again real soon, right here on Game Time.
2: You want to slice against the grain, it's going to be a lot better mouthfeel. So traditional against the grain would just keep going at that angle. We're going to even it out just a bit so when we get to the point, we're able to slice through it and get both pieces of meat. It's super moist, super tender. I mean, you can see it just flaking apart there. Go ahead, take a bite. Oh, yeah. Man, I love brisket. That's just so good. I mean, brisket's so amazing.